Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. I'm so happy that you joined us today. We're in a series, uh, very early in it actually, called Behold Your God from the Gospel of John. And we're walking with Christ through the Gospel of John. John Wayne said, Life is hard. It's harder when you're stupid. (laughs) I've always liked that quote from John Wayne. But I want to change it up just a little bit for today. Life is hard. It's harder when you're a cheapskate, when you want just free stuff and more of it. Today, as I record this, in this period of time in American history, we're in the middle of yet another presidential candidate process. And it seems that American politics, primarily for one party, but maybe maybe a little bit for both parties, has devolved to the point of who can give away the most free stuff. And of course, that's ridiculous. But listen, I get it. Free stuff sells. Free Wi-Fi, free refills, free health care, free cell phones. Free is the most powerful word in advertising. Hey, if it's free 99, sign me up, baby. Well, I want to ask you a question. Do you, do you want God or do you just want a God who gives you free stuff? That's an important question. I've recently finished a historical book by Nathaniel Philbrick called In the Hurricane's Eye. And it's the story of how Washington and the French Navy won the Battle of Yorktown. It's, it was sheer genius, and it was the intervention of God, for sure. But I want to tell you something that came home to me again in reading that book. America's freedom, as far as 99% of Americans were concerned, was just free. It was free stuff. Why do I say that? Because out of the 3 million inhabitants of America at that time, only about 200,000 men served as soldiers at any time during that long revolutionary war. So for most Americans, freedom came to them free. There is very little price paid by the average American. That's only 15% of the 3 million people. But at any one time, I'm, I'm very comfortable in saying there was probably no more than 1% to 3% of Americans at any one time serving in the military with General Washington. And here's the shocker. This is going to blow your mind. A vast majority of the enlisted soldiers went largely unpaid for all of their time in the service. Maybe they were paid a few times, but not consistently and certainly not paid for all of the time they served our nation. Many of the officers went unpaid. Joseph Plum Martin was one of those soldiers And he basically lived a life of hand-to-mouth poverty, essentially. And his only hope is that one day, 
and he died in his 90s, I believe, that maybe he would have enough to have a plot of land where his bones could be buried. That's almost a direct quote from Joseph Plum Martin, one of those soldiers. So my question to us today is, do, do we really want God or do we really just want a God who gives us a lot of free stuff? Let's go to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, and we're going to start right at the, as we always do, right at the start of that chapter. And we're going to see some amazing things today as we go through this sixth chapter of the Gospel of John. John 6, verses 1 and 2. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him, because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. Now, I want you to circle in your mind that word because, because they saw that phrase. They saw his miracles. Hey, here's a God who gives free healing. Hey, who doesn't want to sign up for that, right? So Jesus was immensely popular as people were healed from deadly disease and debilitating conditions. I mean, who wouldn't want that? So large crowds were following him. But you know, every great teacher gives great tests. And we're going to see some of those tests right here in John chapter 6. Let's go to verse 3. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? Now notice Jesus brings up the problem. And he asked Philip, What are we going to do? How are we going to feed all these people? Verse 6, And this he said to prove him, that is to, to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. So Philip is being tested now. All the disciples were essentially. Verse 7, Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. That's like uh, almost two-thirds of a year's wages. He said that even that, people would just get crumbs. Verse 8, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? So at least Andrew was trying, right? But he had very limited understanding of who Jesus is. Verse 10, And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. And there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And we believe they had certainly family members with them. So maybe this was a crowd of five to 10,000 or maybe as many as 15,000 or more. It was a lot of people. All right, let's go forward here in uh, John, uh, John 6. So we left off in verse 10, right? So they're sitting down now. Let's go to verse 11. Let's see what happens. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, now I want to stop right there. There's no long ceremony. There's nothing spectacular that he does. 
He simply prays thanks to God the Father for what is about to happen. That's a great example of faith. Many of us are great at giving thanks after God performs a miracle in our life. The Lord here shows the proper example. He thanks the Father in advance for what he's going to do through the Son. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes, as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Now, liberals, people who don't believe the Bible for what it says, will come to this and give us examples of the little boy, the uh, you know explanations that the little boy shared his lunch, so everybody shared what they had, and this was sharing, and everybody had enough. That's not what happened. Jesus prayed thanks a blessing over this this small lunch the boy had and as he distributed it it just kept coming until everybody had had more than enough and it stopped this is simply a stupendous miracle wow but there's a reason jesus did this it definitely was not just to feed these people It was to grow up the disciples in realizing who he is, but also, as we'll see a little while later as we go forward, that he is the bread of life. He wants to teach everyone who he is. It wasn't just that they would get lunch or dinner that day. So let's go a little further here. This is the, this gospel, this this miracle rather, is mentioned in all four Gospels. And other than the resurrection being mentioned in all four Gospels, it's the only one. There's some great import from this miracle. Now, I want you to see what happens, what the reaction of the people is at this point. Verse 14, Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. And when even was now come, his disciples went down under the sea. And we know that in the Gospels that he sent them across the sea. So at, right at this point, 5,001 plus people, and like I said, it could have been 10 to 15,000 with their families, but we'll just say 5,001 plus people would have immediately elected Jesus president on the spot. They wanted to make him a king. Now that's an important phrase there. They wanted to make him a king, a king. But you see, Jesus will only be the king. He did not come to be a king. Right now, all of these people are thinking life is good. I mean, they had that bumper sticker on their camels or chariots or whatever, just making that part up. But Life is good. Free healing and now free filling. 
I mean, listen, does it get more basic than that? Like we say down south, it don't get no better than that. Well, what we're saying is, if, if you can never get like really sick and really die, you'll always walk in hell, and you'll never go hungry, what else is there, right? Here's the one we've been looking for, free healing and free filling. This is great. Jesus, we're going to make you a king. And you know what Jesus did? He said, no, I will not be a king. I came to be the king. And he broke up the party. He sent everybody home. He sure did. Jesus withdrew from that because he could have no part of that. Because before Jesus could have the crown, he must go to the cross for you and me. And he wanted the disciples not to be influenced at all by that. So he sent them away. Party's over. Turn out the lights. Get out of here. And so he broke it up because he knew, he knew what they wanted. They were only following him now. We're talking about the mass of people because of the free healing and free filling. Getting healed and plenty to eat is a good thing. Now, I said just a minute ago that 5,001 would have gladly elected him president on the spot. Why did I say that? Well, remember, there's always the Judas factor, and we're going to see that come up again in a minute. So let's go forward in verse 16. And when even was now come, his disciples went down under the sea and entered into a ship and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was now dark, and Jesus was not come to them. And the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. In this Sea of Galilee area, it's like a bowl. The winds whip down, and they whip up like ocean-sized waves that will capsize boats and kill everybody. That's what happened right here. And so they've got a problem. And I'm, I want you to notice something. Jesus sent those that believed in, the, in him into that storm. Now, it wasn't storming when they left, but he knew what was going to happen because he wanted to teach them a lesson. He wanted to help get them over the whole free stuff thing too, I think. He wanted them to see him for who he really is, God. All right, so verse 17. The disciples went down under the sea, we saw in verse 16, and entered into a ship and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was now dark, and Jesus had not come to them. And the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. So when they had rowed about five and twenty or thirty furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the sea. Good night! And drawing nigh unto the ship, and they were afraid. I guess so. Wouldn't you be? This simply is not done. And Jesus is God and walks on this raging sea to the ship. And like one guy said, the only thing more frightening than Jesus outside your ship is Jesus getting into your ship because he changes things around, right? So Jesus is on the way and they, they are shaken up. But he saith unto them, it is I, be not afraid. Then they willingly received him into the ship, and immediately 
the ship was at the land whither they went. Now, I haven't really heard this taught on much before. I wonder if that's a miracle right there because they were struggling, according to the Gospels, to get across this sea. The storm came up. Everything was against them. But as soon as Jesus is in the ship, it says immediately the ship was at the land whither they went. They were at Capernaum. How did that happen? I don't know. We're not told how it happened. I think it was a miracle. But I can tell you this. If Jesus gets in your boat, you'll get where he wants you to go way faster. Amen? Amen. So make sure you're a Christian and make sure you're following the Lord every day and he will get you through those storms to where he wants you to go. But let's read further. The day following, when the people which stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was none other boat there save that one whereinto his disciples were entered, and that Jesus went not with his disciples into the boat, but that his disciples were gone away alone, howbeit there came other boats from Tiberias nigh into the place where they did eat bread, after that the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they also took shipping and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. Now, I want to ask you a question. Why do you think they did that? Well, Ed, I guess they realized that this, this must be God and he was the Savior of the world and wherever he went, they wanted to follow him. Uh, you would be wrong. Jesus was their meal ticket. He was their great physician who would heal them whenever they got sick. They were not letting him get away because he was now going to be, in their minds, the giver of free stuff. They had no thought that he was God. And I want to ask you, are you following God because you want him to give you a bunch of free stuff? Is that where you really are? Or are you following Christ because you know He's God and you will serve Him no matter what happens? Even in the middle of a storm, you will trust Him. And you're one way or the other today. But let's see what happens when these people get to where Jesus is. Verse 25, And when they had found Him on the other side of the sea, they said unto Him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? So they're wondering, how did you get here? But I love this about Jesus. He just cuts past, cuts through all of that, goes right past it. He's not going to answer their question because it's, it's not even important. He goes to the heart of the matter, which is always the best place to go. Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me, not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. So what he's saying here is, yeah, they saw the miracles of healing, and they did see those, but, but they didn't get the point of them. That, uh, In other words, they were still on the level of thinking, it's great, this Jesus will heal us every time we need him. But they failed to realize the miracles pointed to him as being the Savior of the world, as being God in human form. And he says, you know, you're, you're seeking me because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. 
You know, I, I fed you and that's why you follow me. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. I mean, even that He will give us, amen. For Him hath God the Father sealed. Who's talking about Himself. Then said they unto Him, now, right here, before I go further, at this point, they should have agreed with Jesus and gotten on the plan and believing in Him. That's what they should have done. Watch what they do. Then said they unto Him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on Him whom He hath sent. That is, that they believe in Jesus as God. They said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Now this is, this is simply amazing to me. We're going to see here in a minute, uh, we're just about to see, that Jesus is going to give the first I am statement. It's the first of seven that he gives in the Gospel of John. And I'm going to give you the list. I am the bread of life. I am the living water. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the light of the world. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So he's about to tell them in a way they can't miss who he is. But what they want is a sign. This is mind-boggling because this is the fourth of seven major miracles that appear in the Gospel of John, and they've seen four of them, and yet they couldn't get it in their heads that he was more than a prophet. Like they said in verse 14, maybe he is that prophet but, you know, that's not the same as being God, right? So uh, maybe he's the prophet. Well, he's more than a prophet. And then we'll see in a few minutes, they're going to say, well, who does he think he is? We know, we know Mary. We know Joseph. And he's not just a man. Listen, if you come to this podcast, maybe from another faith tradition, and you've been taught that Jesus is a great prophet, that he is a man, a great prophet, but he is not God. Jesus is going to declare point blank in this chapter of the gospel that he's God. He's more than a prophet. And he's not just a man. And he is everything we are truly looking for if we can get past the free stuff. Now right here in this chapter depending on how you divide it up and, and look at things, there's three miracles referred to in the chapter we're in. And they're still saying, What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Are you kidding me? That's how blind we can be as people. Verse 31. Jesus is very patient, though. And he's patient with me and with you. Our fathers, 
uh, they, they go on, actually they're speaking here. Our fathers did eat manna in the, will, in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So it's like they are, they are saying, hey, that, you know, the miracle of the loaves and fishes, big deal. Moses gave the Jewish people manna in the desert. I don't even have words to answer that. I can't even believe they're saying this. But they did. And I'm not going to clean it up. I mean, wow, it's on them. Verse 32, Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven. That, that is, Moses didn't give it. God the Father gave it, right? But my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. He's talking about himself. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am. Now, by the way, if you're familiar even a little bit with the Bible, you know that that is the name of God. I am that I am. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son believeth on him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. Now right about here, if you had any sense and you were in this crowd, you would hopefully start saying, I'm, I'm starting to get it. I'm starting to see it. But oh no, that's not what happened. And this still happens with people today when God is standing right in front of them. Then uh, the Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Not that any man has seen the Father, 
save or, or accept, save he which is of God, he has seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then said Jesus unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh, and drinketh my blood, hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed." He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead, he that eateth of this bread shall live forever. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. I'm telling you, friends, Jesus rocked the world of the people who heard what he said here, and they didn't get it. Did you know that in the old Soviet Union, that one of the uh, charges, slanders, propaganda, misinformation that was spread about Christians who lived under the Soviet government was that they were cannibals because of this passage. I often wondered, did the communists understand what Jesus meant, that it was... Um, this might be the wrong word, but symbolic or a metaphor. Or did they, because they weren't saved when they read it, they, they read it literally like cannibalism. And so anyway, they slandered the Christians saying they got together in secret and practiced cannibalism. And the older I've gotten, the more I realize because the communists were lost, they were probably so dense that they believed it literally and spread that rumor. But who knows, right? I've never asked one, but interesting point there. All right, verse 60. We're going to wrap it up here. Many, therefore, of his disciples, I mean, these were people that said they were mathetes, disciples. Uh, they were followers. They were having Jesus imprinted on them by him being their rabbi, their master, their teacher. 
Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is an hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, Therefore said I unto you, that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with them, with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that Thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. Now when we get to the end here of John chapter 6, this vast multitude of people had gotten a lot of free stuff. They had been healed. They had seen loved ones healed, friends and neighbors. They had been miraculously fed. And yet when Jesus drove home the the point of those miracles that they pointed to Him as their Savior, as their God. They said, whoa, uh, that we can't handle. Everybody's offended. Everybody's offended today, by the way. And I've got three words for everybody today from Eagles. Get over it. I want you to do something. I want you to download or look up the lyrics, the words to get over it by Glenn Fry and Don Henley of Eagles. That ought to become the second national anthem of the United States. Everybody's offended. They're blaming everybody else. It's not my fault. You've done me wrong. And I mean, just read the lyrics. I've heard the song before uh, several times, obviously, like you, but I looked at the lyrics. I could not believe the lyrics, and I could not believe how true they are today. Everybody's offended. Well, let me tell you what. When Jesus Christ told this crowd who he was, that he didn't come to be a king, he came to be the king, their king, spiritually, their savior, their God, people said, I'm out. I'm not going any farther with this Jesus. I'm done. And just as a few hours earlier, 5,001 plus would have elected him president on the spot, now 5,001 plus 
walked away. The 11, we don't know how many others were left, but the 11 were left, well, there was 12, but, you know, Judas didn't believe. And, and Jesus was not surprised by his betrayal. He, he knew he would betray him, and he chose him to be among the disciples. But of the 12, 11 believed in Jesus, like Peter said, that he was, he is the Christ. He is the Son of the living God. So the question comes today is, do, do you want God? Do you really want Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? Or do you just want, you know, a God who gives you a lot of free stuff? Which is it? And it's one or the other. I don't know where you are, but you know. And if you're unclear, maybe God will use this passage today to clarify it in your heart and mind. If you're not yet a Christian and God is convicting you by His Spirit that you are lost, you are in your sins doomed and damned and headed for a Christless hell, if this is what you are sensing now, you need to throw yourself upon the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. He died on the cross to pay the penalty for all of our sins, and that includes your sins. He died that you could go free, that you would be forgiven, that you could have His life come into your life. You could be saved, born again. You could become a Christian and live for Him here and live with Him eternally forever. I'm not going to give you like a, a formula prayer to pray. I mean, if God's working on right you right now, cry out to Him. Call upon the name of the Lord, and thou shalt be saved, Romans says. Call upon Jesus. I would like to hear if you've done that, and you can message me through this app. You can even email me at pastoredhill at gmail.com. If you would like to get free information, and this is a good kind of free, by the way, free information about the Christian life and how to grow, you can call this number, and it's free, 888-537-8720. And when, it, when it's answered, tell the person who answers answered that, that you have asked Christ to be your Savior and Lord. You want to know more about the Christian life and growing in your new faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe you're listening today and you're saying, Ed, I've been a Christian a long time, but I needed this. I've been almost using God for what He can do for me, and it's time that I let Him live through me. And you're ready to be a real disciple. I mean, really serious and be a witness for Christ. Wonderful. I need your help for all of you listening. If this podcast is a blessing to your heart, I need you to share this in social media. Share it by email with your friends. Text it to someone. Everyone needs to hear these podcasts because they're coming from the Word of God. Tell people about this week in the Word 
and how easily they can find it just by typing this in their browser, www.dredhill.podbean.com. That's D-R-E-D-H-I-L-L dot P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com. There's no period after the doctor. It's just D-R-E-D-H-I-L-L. www.dredhill.podbean.com. It's free to listen. Hey, it's free to subscribe. I hope you'll become a subscriber right now. And you will help me spread this podcast to others so that we can know that people will be saved by Christ as a result of hearing about Him through this podcast. Well, again, thank you for listening. It's a a privilege and honor to share the Word of God with those who listen every week. What a blessing. I hope Jesus looms large before your heart and mind today because you studied with me John chapter 6. Next week, we move forward into the seventh chapter of John. God bless you richly this week is my prayer.